At Christmas time, there's always loads of games being played, including the old favourite, Hide and Seek. It could be to keep the kids quiet, or it could be to prepare them for the adult version, where they could win £100,000. So forget hiding in the wardrobe or under the bed. Damn it, I knew you'd find me. Would you have what it takes to go all the way? Or would you be hunted? Hello, Chief. How are you doing? All right, thank you. More importantly, how are you doing? Uh, we're all right. We like a challenge. Stand by, stand by, stand by. Out, out, out. Up to seven persons. Seven persons. One, two. Short of jumping into the canal, their options are reasonably limited. And we also think they may have had a bit too much to drink last night. It's a BMW, Ben. We have got live telematics on the vehicle. You fucking beauty. Curtains drawn. Why are they drawn at this There's movement, yeah, concern movement. There is, there is movement in the property. Hunter team, open the door, please. Pass it surrounded. My name's Craig. And I'm Nat. In 2022, we discovered Hunted and are now obsessed. But like with every other obsessive TV show we watch, we're left with unanswered questions. Like, what does it take to be a deputy? Do you get some sort of badge or a big hat? Do you ever miss a capture if you go to the toilet at the wrong time? In a competition for who is the best to work for, who would win? Hunted HQ or the Heist HQ? And would you ever swap the comfort of the office for the thrill of the chase on the ground? Let's find out as we welcome back Deputy Ray Howard to The Hunted Podcast. You could try to play, but you're never gonna be me. Look the other way, what I'm doing ain't easy. Bloody hands stain from the people who deceive me. Bloody hands break through the chains, go free me. People like sheep move feet, hurt it easy. Don't wanna be fast asleep when they ski Better stay tall, ready for a fight, believe me When they try the chains, you can say no, free me Welcome back to the Hunted Podcast Hey, 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 hey Hey It's Christmas It's what? It's Christmas! So that must mean that these are our Christmas episodes Yeah Yes! Welcome back to a very festive Hunted Podcast Hope you all are okay and you're having a good December so far. Yes. Have you got what you asked Santa for yet? No, yeah. Did you ask Santa for not one, not two, not three, but four, possibly five, not edited them all yet, <laughs> episodes of the Hunted Podcast where every single episode contains an interview? Yes. Do you know what? Santa Claus listens to you. Does he? Because he is delivering you not one, not two, not three, four, possibly five, depending on Maybe. the edit, interviews, yeah. episodes over the next four or five weeks, depending on the edit, yeah. of interviews with people from Hunted. Ooh. Not one interview, but two interviews. Two? I can offer you yeah. one person from HQ Okay. and... One fugitive. All right. Deal or no deal? Sorry, wrong show. Deal. Deal it is. How about we go back in time? Yeah. And we pick up where we left off, which was Hunted Revisited. We were watching series one, weren't we? Yes, we were. And we were having a nice old chat with Deputy Ray Howard. Oh, we were. He brought biscuits. Can you remember what happened after we finished the chat, which we've just left off with people about a few weeks ago, which was Hunted Revisited? We pressed stop recording and save. Then what happened? We had a chat with him. We didn't just have a chat with him. We had a mammoth chat with him. We did have a mammoth chat. Over an hour and a half worth of conversation. Yes. Plus the bits we didn't record. Yeah. Uh, which we're going to share with you now, the bits that we did record, that is. Yeah. We've split this up into two parts. We recorded it all in one, but we split it up into two parts because, let's be honest, there is a lot of stuff in there. It's quite long. And you guys need a bit of a break in between. So we're going to stop it halfway through and you'll hear from us again at the end. Now, there is a little bit of difference in the audio. Obviously, we recorded that in a big open room. Yeah. Um, it sounds all right, though. And then this in, this little bit of an intro is just recorded on our phones, to be fair. Um, so a little bit of a difference, but hopefully it won't be too much of a difference. Before we delve into the interview, yeah. 
If people want to write in with their hunted comments and wish us a Merry Christmas or play along with a very good feature, which I think is a very good feature. I think it's brilliant. Well, you would. You came up with yeah. it, which is... Uh, the capture calendar. Every single day on our Instagram and our Twitter, we're posting... So every evening before the night, we're posting for... Will you explain it? You explain uh, it. So in the evening of the night before, it was the night before the capture calendar... <laughs> Not scripted. She just came up with that on her own. We're posting four pictures that are clues to a capture. So they are screenshots of the actual capture itself. Yep. You then need to guess who is being captured from said four pictures. And then the following day, the following morning... We'll tell you who it is. Think of it like Capture Eve and Capture Day. Simple as that, see? Imagine, you know what happens when we put our little brains together? Also, make sure that you check out our Facebook where we're just posting the photos. We're not posting the videos, we're just doing that on the yeah. Instagram. That may or may not be to do with A, copyright issues, B, me forgetting to do it on Facebook the very first day so continuity was out the window, or C, all of the above. I'm going to see. Correct answer. Right, let's delve into Ray Howard. So, remember... Um, this was filmed, wow, when was this filmed? Oh, When did we go to see Ray? <laughs> September, October? Late September, early October, yeah, I want to say. So. I think first weekend in October. Possibly, yes. Uh, it was filmed in a remote location, in a meeting room somewhere, which we hired for the day. We've just been talking about, obviously, Hunted Revisited Series 1. Mm -hmm. There was a little bit of overspill, but we do talk more Hunted in general. And not just Hunted in general, do we? No, we have a little chat about the heist. Not just a little chat about the heist, we have a good chat about that. Yes. It all sort of merges into one. We had no questions prepared, no, no nothing. We just talked. Yeah. So sit back and enjoy a Hunted interrogation with... Deputy Ray Howard. Hello and welcome back to the Hunted podcast. We are in an undisclosed location and yes, we've kept him hostage. We're going to quiz him all about his time on Hunted. Last time you heard the show, we were talking all about series one. And if you've not listened to it, go back and listen to it because it was a really good episode, wasn't it? It was. It was really good. Really insightful and so insightful. We thought we'd ask him some more questions. Yes, we did. Yeah. So just remind people who we've got on the show. Um, we have got a member of the HQ team. Deputy Ray Howard. Ray, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. We've made you a coffee. We've not held you against your will. That's important to say two minutes, less than a minute <laughs> into the podcast. You're not here against your will. You are free to leave any time. Yes, I'm free to leave any time. Get me help. Get me help. Of course he's If you want to send in any questions, comments or opinions on anything Hunted. Um, you can use Instagram at HuntedPod, Twitter at HuntedPod, Facebook HuntedPod or email HuntedPod at Outlook.com. Right, it's fair to say before we get started that we've got no real idea of where this is going to nope. head in the next half an hour, 45 minutes or so. Yep. We're just going to fire questions at Ray about his time on Hunted and maybe the heist and a few other things as well. But we are not going to talk about what we've not seen on screen yet no. because we can't. Yep. So, we're not, so if you're listening to this thinking... Oh, I'm going to get some secrets about the next Celebrity Hunted or the next series of Civilian Hunted. Switch off now. But don't switch off because we want you to listen. No, That's no, no, I'll, right. tell you, I'll tell you a secret about what's coming out. It's going to be great. <laughs> I don't feel that's a secret. That's a given. I did think for a second. I like that, that secret. secret. I like that secret as well. Um, I think the best place to start is right at the beginning. So obviously we heard last time from you that you weren't involved in Series 1, that you didn't really watch it too much because you were a serving officer at the time. Yeah. Um, before Hunted came the heist, so take us right back. How did you get involved with the heist and how did that then snowball into becoming a member, a firm member of the Hunted team? Yeah, so well, I was in my office being um, a police officer, a senior police officer, and I kept getting emails about this thing called uh, the heist, which I deleted uh, deleted and deleted, and about the fourth or fifth time, I thought, well, I'll open this. Um, I looked at it, and it said it was filming the month I retired. So I thought, well, do you know what? I've got nothing else lined up. Why not? So I sent them an email, and then uh, I had a Teams interview, which I thought I I'd been um, given the old cold shoulder because nobody called me. Uh, but it turned out the person who was going to call me was, was sick, so eventually got the Teams interview. Went up to London, uh, got a camera pointed in my face, and two lovely 
uh, producers just firing questions at me to see how it would all go. And then they sent the video off to Sky, and Sky said, yeah, he's, he's okay. He's all right. We'll have him. So uh, then became a member of the heist team. Fantastic team, really enjoyed it. And then uh, never thought I'd be on Hunted because obviously there were two different shows for two different um, companies. But when the heist finished, I got the call to say, why don't you come over to Hunted? You know, we've got a, a place for you. So, of course, I said, yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. Sounds like there's a lot of fortune involved as well in that because obviously you wouldn't have done it if you didn't retire. Something would have piqued your interest with the email. Maybe it was just the repetitive nature of it landing in your inbox and you just wanted them to piss off, basically. Yeah. Um, but you get the look from there. You, you do it, you get involved in it, you get into this world of TV and then COVID hits. Yeah. Um, ben, who was the chief at the time, who'd been deputy and on it since Series 1, went off to do Hunted America and then Hunted Australia as well later on down the line. Um, so he his seat was vacant. Blex, who was the chief before that, had already gone because that's why Ben had been pushed up. Yeah. And it was almost like they needed to redo it. And there was obviously the break in filming everything because of COVID and stuff like that in the world as well. So almost like all the ducks aligned for you to absolutely. sort of come in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because if people hadn't moved on, there wouldn't have been a space for me. So, yeah. And it's I guess when you sort of get that as well and you, you go into it, you do start to, to re-watch it and you, you start to have a little look about it and you start to think, uh, what what did they originally approach you to do? Did, did go in straight away to be part of HQ or was was there a, maybe a part of your thought process which thought, oh, I might end up on the ground team or maybe even like some other hunters, you could have potentially gone on and be a, be a fugitive. Although at that point it was more about the cash prize. But mind you, Sarah Kibble in Series 6 was and still is a serving officer. Yeah. So. You know, nothing to stop you doing it. Yeah, no, they didn't. I, uh, they never offered me on the ground at all. Uh, I think I'm probably, I'd say I'm too old, but there are actually ground hunters as old as me, to be fair. Um, but no, they never offered me uh, on the ground. Um, so we're straight into headquarters. Uh, that's what they had for me. So um, I think I would have enjoyed being on the ground, although I tell you what, they didn't half drive. I mean, they drive a long way, and then sometimes they're put in hotels at the very last minute can be a little bit ropey <laughs> so i think it's lots of fun on the ground and they do they, they have a lot of laughs but i think it's a little bit uh, of a grind sometimes as well and i think with the ground team as well you know there is only so much they can do and i i, I get this because we were speaking to some um of the australian ground team um after their first series of had aired and they were really frustrated that a lot of the ground team's processes weren't shown on screen and they don't maybe get the recognition that they deserve because they do do a lot of the mm. the footwork, which you don't see because it's the, the natural part of the process. But you are putting together six episodes, which are, when you take into consideration the advertising as well, you're looking at 45 minutes tops. So yeah. you can't put in what they do. No, absolutely. And I think that can, can be you know uh, difficult for people, but... Uh, the reality is for Hunted, if you look across that team, okay, so if you look at the ground hunters, headquarter hunters, and you look at what they've done and what they've achieved in their working lives, you have got an incredible and a formidable group of people that, uh, you know, it would take me hours to sit here and tell you everything that they've done as you, you find out as you go along. So your ground hunters are, you know, incredibly capable investigators They've got um, massive cases under their belts. But sometimes I think they're portrayed as these kind of predators, you know, all dressed in black and coming after you. And, and obviously they're physical specimens as well, aren't they? So they're quite scary. Yeah, I'm surprised we actually managed to get JP for two hours to come out of the gym. Yeah, well, exactly. So, you know, they are, you know, they are formidable individuals. And I guess you, in a show that's only 45 minutes uh, an episode, there's so much going on. Plus, you've got to get the fugitive side of the story as well, which is, you know, the interesting part you can't you can't cover all of that but honestly and it's not just the ground hunters you're going to headquarters as well and the people that are in there I, i'm i'm in absolute awe when you know we see people's cvs your, your jaw would drop these are high high quality people we've got four doctors in there you know not medical doctors but doctor you know people with doctorates and um you know Outside of a university, you probably wouldn't have that many in one office. No. no. It's, it's crazy to think about that. What about yourself? Give us a little bit of a backstory on you, if you can, about sort of 
um, your history in the police and sort of what you've what you've been doing. What qualifies you to be in HQ? Well, uh, thirty years in the police, uh, doing lots of lots of different Hero, things. So you've not. I'm not, not old enough. Not, I'm not, not old enough. enough. <laughs> I know. Well, I did start in my uh, early teens. No, I'd say. Well, I, I was in. The, I was in the RAF initially. I was. I was actually a military police officer to start with, only for a, a couple of years, and then I left and joined um, the civilian police. So, 30 years doing that, obviously, uh, including uh, detective roles and uh, even firearms at one point as well. Uh, they actually gave me a gun, believe it or not, which is quite <laughs> troubling looking back. Um, <laughs> never used it, um, but. Uh, what I ended up doing was I started uh, heading up a, a department called Intelligence and Specialist Operations. So that was all the covert stuff. And so one of our roles was to find people that were wanted that had gone to ground, had gone missing. Um, so that's what we did. I had various teams uh, working for me, serious organised crime teams, covert teams, even our covert human intelligence sources. So it's all that kind of secret, sneaky stuff. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so I ran that towards the end of my career. And then when I retired, I, I still teach police officers, but leadership and management sort of stuff. But uh, I've done serious and organised crime teaching, modern slavery. I specialised in that uh, for a while because that was uh, a particular crime that my teams uh, spent a lot of time looking at. So, yeah, so what, what qualifies me to go on Hunted? 30 years in the police and real-life experience of hunting fugitives. Yeah, and... Again, it's all those experiences which come into it and, you know, those skill sets which you, you bring to it. I want to go back to the heist briefly, though, yeah. um, because I know there's a lot of fans of the show out there. And like we've said before, haven't we, that was the first show that we watched before Yes, Hunted. it was, yeah. we. I don't really know how we came across the heist. Um, I feel like it was just something that we found um, and ended up watching it. But we really enjoyed the heist and... I think it was more like, I don't know what, what they were called, the contestants or... I don't know whether they were called fugitives. I can't remember. No, they, they, they weren't fugitives. Were they? they were, I guess they were suspects and then... Yeah, suspects, suspects yeah. yeah. I liked watching like what the suspects did, the places that they hid their money, the lengths that they went to to keep that money and hide it. Um, and also, obviously, you saw the normal reaction of, I've got this amount of money i'm gonna go shopping yeah and I th do you know what actually i think when i compare hunted and the heist it's hunted in reverse mm. hunted the, the end goal is to stay hidden and to get to the cash prize especially in the later series series one aside obviously in celeb but the civilian series it's all about getting to that 28 days or 25 days and getting the cash whereas the heist it's more about committing the crime and then the steps that you you, you take after almost like a real life version of the Great Train Robbery. What are you going to do with all this loot? What are you going to, yeah. what are you going to move and things like that? And I think that as a concept, I really wish that they'd have done more than two series. To mm -hmm. be honest, I mean, Hunted is great for like the adrenaline hit, but the heist, I think, is a more realistic crime that you do. I think someone's more like, more than likely in their life to rob a bank than what they are just to become. A fugitive because when you think of what a fugitive is it's a more serious crime you, you, yeah. that, that they've committed to go on the run in the first place so I think the idea of it is slightly more relatable to the average person who's watching it yeah, I think so, because, uh, and Hunted is, you know, like you said, you, you use the word a bit of an adrenaline rush, and it is, and it's kind of spies, isn't it, effectively, you know, if you're on the run, then probably, oh, you've done something really, really serious in the real world to be become a fugitive, but most criminals, they commit the crime, and then they carry on living where they're living, and they try and get away with it, that's what, that's what they, and that's what the heist was, so no one was, until the very end, which was very similar to Hunted, where they had to make it to a a point, an extraction point. Yeah, because you've got to end the game. You've yeah. got to end it somewhere. Got, I think it was, they used it as turning their dirty money into clean money, money laundering, yes. essentially. E effectively, so the money was no longer traceable and so we couldn't yeah. we couldn't seize it. Um, but either it was amazing where they hid it, you know, behind the cooker in, in one place, which is, you know, that's a real place where people would hide it. They wouldn't think anyone would look. Um, you know, burying it, all the sorts of things that, that, that people do. And I thought that was amazing to see, what would you do if you've got all that money and you know the police are after you? Where are you going to hide it and how are you going to stop them from finding out that it, that it was you? So it was very much like an organised crime group sort of scenario, other than the organised crime group in that case. They weren't actually connected. 
before they committed the crime, which would be incredibly unusual. So if you found one criminal or one pair of criminals, it wouldn't necessarily lead you to the rest of them. Whereas in the real world, it generally would. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. And the only sort of thing that I don't like about the heist, but I think that's more of a view of preference, is that it, there was a fake element to it because it was like a fake village, a fake police station. But I actually quite like that because it made, in, in the other way, because it made it feel a little bit more real. Sometimes with Hunted, you do get a detachment between HQ and the ground team, yeah. whereas it was just one lot. And of course now you've got a lot of crossovers with Hunter, and the obvious ones are yourself, JP, but there's a lot more that works in that Hunter, that heist team, which had now transferred over. Yeah, George, Adara, you know, Giles, there's a number of us that have come across, and, and it's great to see everyone. But, and that was the thing with the heist, because we all came back, and for me and Sue Hill, we were kind of a mixture of headquarters and ground hunters, because we went out and interviewed people, and I think that was the biggest difference. I really enjoyed the interviews on the heist. Um, really enjoyed the, the interviews, and I, particularly um, on the second one where there were the two lads, I can't remember their names, they were really nice lads, but oh my goodness me. I, and I didn't interview them, I think it was Craig that interviewed them, but, uh, or one of them, and he just folded like, like you know, a piece of paper. He was just, with hardly any effort at all, he got that <laughs> confession. And, and I think that's interesting, seeing how much people in a, it's not real, they're not going to prison, but the pressure that they felt was absolutely real for them. Yeah, because they are playing to keep that money. They are playing yeah. to, to change their life. I mean, I can't remember whether it's Series 1 or Series 2, but it's a father and son team, and they're doing it for the son's child. Who I think, Series 1, that yeah, was. Yeah. And that obviously really pulls on the heartstrings, but you, the emotion of going through it, you're doing it for a purpose, and you want to get through it. And then you've got the complete opposite. People who are just doing it for a laugh. There was a, a I think they were two best friends, and he... What the first thing he did with the money he went and brought a KFC, which was just, <laughs> of course you would. Which series was it where there was a guy who I think he was a law student and he, on the way to their initial meeting point before they went and whether it was the van or the actual bank, um, he walked up without his face covered. Yes, that was, was it Ben? And I'd want to say I can't Ben. Remember I can't remember what but... his name was, but he, he, his face wasn't covered and it was like he was just going for a morning stroll. Um, and he hadn't even thought about, you know, cameras catching him on his way or anything. And I think he very quickly folded once you found Yeah, him. I think he was a forensics student, if I remember, yeah, I remember rightly. on those lines. Yeah, I, I'm going to say Ben and George, it's difficult to remember now. But uh, yeah, so, and everyone else, of course, was wearing masks. Yeah. So he stood out like a sore thumb because everyone else has got tights or stockings on their head and he's got nothing. <laughs> but he tried to pass it off as being his brother. Yeah, yes. Which is a very, yes. very, that's, a, that's a very fraternal <laughs> thing to do, isn't it? It wasn't me, it was my brother. <laughs> oh, it's so silly. Because the thing with that is as well, I don't know whether it went through their brains that the actual chase, if you like, started once they'd nicked the money. But actually, no, you'd, if you were investigating a bank job, Hatton yeah. Garden, for example, is probably the most common, most recent one which people know about. There's been numerous films and all of that about it, numerous TV series. The investigative process, or it starts when you find out what's happened, but you don't work forward like you do in Hunted, you work backwards. backwards. Yeah, because the crime's been committed. Mm. And yeah, and especially the second series, because it was a million pounds. I mean, it was. Yeah, because they changed the title of the series to Million Pound Bank Heist uh, yeah. rather than just the heist. Yeah. yeah, so it was a lot of money. So people are really invested. And you can imagine if you've lost your share of that, which is like £111,000 each, you know, around that sort of area. That's a lot of money that you, by this time, you've started thinking is already yours. Yeah. And when we come along and take, you know, and we had to get it to CPS charging standards, and then they would have to give the money back. What, so. what happened to the stuff that they'd already, like the stuff that they'd already bought with it? So like, I think one lot booked a holiday with theirs. Does that, does that stay or? That does. It does. So again, like Hunted, there are rules. So they're allowed to spend a certain amount of money. And of course, if you think about it, it's quite a good idea because if criminals steal something, they will tend to spend it. Mm. They, they're not going to keep it. They tend to spend it. So if you had a TV show like this where people just kept the money and didn't spend it, didn't give you any clue. Yeah, because that's the obvious thing to do, isn't it? I'll steal it. I'll sit on it for 28 days and go hit it. Yeah. Yeah, that's not going to work. No, that's not but, realistic. So you're allowed to spend a certain amount of it and you get to keep what you spend. So it, so it makes sense to spend it. Yeah. 
because you think, well, okay, if I don't, if I, if I get caught, at least I'll have this. So it was their honeymoon, bless them, yeah. as well, that they'd paid for. So, no, they did get, they did oh. get their honeymoon, Jack. We That's... wouldn't be that cruel. <laughs> I would. <laughs> I think if you've, if, it's, if you've paid for it and it's, like, in use, you could have kept it. But if it's, you've paid for but you've not used it, then, as in, like, if it's a holiday and you've not had the holiday <laughs> yeah. yet, then there you, I'm, I'm, I'm withdrawing. That's harsh, Craig. That is harsh. <laughs> I'm a harsh you know, person. But it's like hunted, where, uh, whether it's for stand-up to cancer, and people genuinely believe, bless them, oh, that no. when we catch somebody, that means there's less money yes. going to stand-up to cancer, as if we would do that, you know, as if we'd be involved in Oh, yes, let's get take money away from stand-up to cancer. That's what we want to do. And, and it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, we do it. Because we want to support standard for cancer, so no, you know, we don't stop any money going by catching people. It was just such a good concept, and I think yeah, it was a more realistic concept than what Hunted is. But Hunted, for some reason, has continued to grow, whereas the heist sort of stopped after two series. But maybe again, it's the world of TV. You know, we're talking about why everyone questions online, like why we've not seen another advertisement for the next series of normal hunted to be filmed but there's a big cost to it you're yeah. talking about well let's t- let's look at the, the parallels celebrity hunted there is no cash prize because it's literally just for stand up to cancer and the way that they raise the money is it's the fees that they would charge for going on the show is donated yeah simple as that whereas normal hunted hundred thousand pound price so straight away hundred grand saved then you've got to think about all the equipment or the kit all of that stuff there's a cost to that and the way to reap that back and make it is advertising yeah but we're in such a, a, a point at the country at the minute that the way people spend on advertising is is different yeah so like working in the advertising sector and in marketing sector people will try and do things which is a more organic process to advertise and not spend money which is why broadcasters are finding it difficult to make shows like Hunted, and that's exactly why shows like The Heist, where they've raised the stakes so much so in the second series, they can no longer match that, and therefore it wouldn't get the same reception. Yeah. A million-pound prize, thats you don't see that now. No. It's so unheard of. Yeah, it's, and it is about that revenues, isn't it? Um, and, of course, celebrity is always helpful. That's why I think you're seeing celebrity shows, because people love to see celebrities, don't they? And they're entertaining, so um, you know that, that helps. If you couldn't do a celebrity heist... No. No. Because you'd know who you were looking for <laughs> straight away. And that's the thing with Hunted. You know who you're looking for on day one, so it doesn't matter who they are. Um, and I think people love the, like, like you say, the adrenaline rush of, of Hunted is awesome, isn't it? Yeah. It's, uh, it's good fun and, it, and it's high impact all the time, whereas the heist is a bit of a slow burn, really. I'm going to ask a question now, which I hope you don't take the wrong way and you use it against me. But, I can't promise that. I know. This is why it's a risk. There's a risk in everything. <laughs> Sue Hill on The Heist, yeah. Lisa Thika on Hunted. If you had to choose just one to do a new show with, doesn't matter what the show is, anything like Polisi, whatever, who are you choosing? And you can't, you can't say no comment. Oh, see, that's really an unfair question. <laughs> I, t- I, did, see, I know, I, I did warn, I did pre-warn. It's quite mean. Yeah, I, I know. Well, well I certainly won't go no comment, but you'll forgive me if I don't make a choice. Um, I won't. I, uh, well, you, you won't forgive me, but I'll, I'm, prepared, I'm prepared to live with that. Um, <laughs> no, we're, we're, I mean Sue. Sue uh, is 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 absolutely fantastic. She uh, she's one of the most warmest, caring people that you'll you'll ever meet. Um, so really enjoy working with Sue. She uh, what did I say with Sue? She wouldn't mind me saying this actually. Sue talks a lot, <laughs> which is which is. Not a bad thing, but she does talk a lot. Um, but but she's absolutely lovely. Lisa, um, you know, she's currently serving. She's really on it. She's um, she's funny. She is so funny. She plays jokes as well. Like she sometimes, well, there's one time she'd made a call into, she'd gone out of the studio, um, pretended to be somebody grassing up one of the fugitives and called in. I can't remember, was it? Well, I think it was Justin that took the call and he's, he's taking the notes and everything, writing it all down. Uh, and then Lisa walks in on the phone as she put on this voice and everyone's like, oh, fuck, because we thought it was a genuine thing. So uh, all I would say is I would happily do anything with either of those two. They're both fantastic, formidable and uh, wonderful ladies who have got 
an amazing history of investigation behind them, and I would be happy to uh, work with both of them. It's a very standard answer, and I think he got out of that well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now dreads to think what's going to come back my way later on in the show. <laughs> so like I said before, I'm more than happy for tables to be turned and for, <laughs> for us to be quizzed, which is all good fun. Uh, so Hunted comes about, obviously you've got really fond memories of, of the heist. Hunted comes about, you, you do that, you get it all filmed and everything. What was the reaction when... Uh, Hunted first came out because the first one we saw on screen was the first celebrity one with yourself. So we're talking the likes of you and Thomas, Richard Whitehead, think um, people like that, lock, the lock locks and yeah. things like that. What was the reaction when it first came on? Because in terms of a viewership, it was a big change in the show because entirety of HQ had pretty much changed the yeah. set had changed there were almost new ground hunters what was the the reaction to, to oh I, well I on? think when you make a big change like that you do expect a certain reaction which we did get which was where you know where's Ben where's Blex we don't like these new people uh you know we, we like the old people bring bring back the old people entirely understandable as well because you know they were fantastic you know um people that went before us but over time you start getting now we're the people that they probably wouldn't want to see replaced bizarrely because they get used to it. So you're always get, you're always going to get that. So I think we certainly got a certain reaction as uh, well. You know, we don't like change, and you know, we're, we and I'm sure Ben got it when he replaced Blex to a certain uh, degree as well. Yeah. Um, but I think over time, people uh, grow more accepting. I've never had any kind of negative uh, attacks on social media or anything like that um, at all uh, personally. So. Um, yeah, I think it generally it was positive. It's quite interesting to see as well, because obviously we saw the celebrity one first, but I don't think that was the order in which you filmed them. I think you filmed, maybe filmed the civilian one first, unless I'm getting it. No, actually, no, that'd be, that'd be wrong, because, yeah, you've done two celeb, one civilian. So I think it might have been the celebrity hunted that we've just seen with um, the Speakmans. Yeah. That might have been that was... done before Kibble's series. Uh, but showed after. Do you know what? I can't remember, back Craig. To back. Honestly, they were definitely back to back. Yeah, because yeah, we were away for a, a seven weeks, whatever it was, to film both. Um, yeah. So which one came first? I honestly can't remember. Because you would have done. Yeah, you definitely. So it would have been. Yeah, the Lock Lock series that you filmed first, which was quite fun. How did you find that process when you went into it? Because obviously you'd had a little bit of TV experience with doing the heist, but that's literally, and then you're going in with all these new people, you had to form a bit of a relationship with Lisa, I'm guessing you'd never worked with in normal life before. No, I'd never met Lisa before, no. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think we bonded pretty well, pretty quickly. Um, as I say, Lisa's got a cracking sense of humour, so she makes you laugh, which is, you know, always helpful for breaking the ice and, uh, you know, getting things going. Uh, and, and obviously the established team as well, uh, you know, Hattie, was Hattie on that series? Yeah. Yeah, so... Hattie was on that series, so and, and Hattie's awesome, uh, you know, really welcoming. Smiley Steve, I know you call him Smiley Steve. I don't call him Smiley Steve, I just call him Steve. <laughs> um, uh, you know, he's he's a, a smart, really smart guy and a lovely guy. So felt very, very welcome. It's a little harder with Hunted because you're on the set, on in the studio almost all the time, so you don't get out as much uh, and they kind of stagger the lunch breaks and that sort of thing. Whereas with the heist, it was much more uh, you could get out and about. So myself and Sue would go visiting. So I think it's a higher pressure. It's a higher pressure on on Hunted. I think one of the differences as well is the fact that um, in the heist, you do get to interrogate fugitives or fugitives' families and associates, whereas in Hunted, it happens a little bit in the early series. Like we see Blacks like throwing cash down to try and get one of the fugitives to give up his mate or yeah. give up extraction. But you don't see that in the in the later series where you guys are. Do you sort of wish that that element was there that you could get the chance to interrogate people? We I do. Guess that's your bit of your skill as well. Well, absolutely, and we do do it. And we've done in the later civilian one, we've done some of that. And indeed, uh, I know George Bradley did it in the uh, celebrity one as well. Difficulty is, of course, that with the heist, you're you've got your suspects, and they can trip up. Because um, they're obviously lying to you. The difficulty with Hunted is you've usually got somebody in either a captured fugitive and you're trying to find out about the other fugitives or maybe it's an associate. The chances of them on national TV turning on you know somebody else is 
fairly limited. So there's not as much to be gained from an interview in Hunted as there is in the heist. However, you've got to keep trying it. Now, whether it makes the air, of course, depends on how it goes. But I've been involved in a number of interviews since doing Hunted, but they've not made the air because people just tell you to get stuffed. Um, which can be amusing in its own right, but it's almost, if it's expected that that's what they're going to do and that is what they do, then there's no real uh, interest for the audience. So I, I think unless somebody actually gives something away, it probably wouldn't make the cut. Yeah, uh, I, I think one thing which runs parallel with both, though, and this is what I think fascinates us a little bit, is human behaviour. Because yeah. in both settings, you know, it's obviously a game and all of that, but it's the way that they react to certain situations. That human behaviour side of things is absolutely fascinating. Yeah. To try and understand the processes which people will go through, the emotion. People go, oh, well, it's fake, it's a TV show. But once you're in that situation, and it must be for the same view in HQ, yeah, you've got a camera team around you. You know, you are um, expected to perform a little bit to, like, to hype up certain situations. But everything you do, you, if this was a real life, you would be doing anyway. So yeah. it's almost like becomes like the cameras aren't there. Yeah, you do. You, you soon uh, forget about the cameras, uh, you know, uh, and just go about your business. But it, for us, it's very we're very immersed into it. You know, it's uh, in the back of our minds. I was saying to to Natalie earlier that in the back of our minds, we know it's not real. There's no stakes as such. Um, like like with real policing, there could be some pretty high stakes. But in the forefront of our mind. No, that doesn't matter. We're in a competition here, and many of us have been in the police or the military, intelligence services, whatever it is, for a long, long time. And that part of our psyche takes over, and that part of our psyche is what's driving us forward. So you can say we, it's not real. Well, yeah, I get that. But for us, we are so immersed in it, it damn well feels like it. And we're playing it for real. We are doing it for real. We are doing that investigation. There's no two ways about it. Uh, so... Yeah, I take I, I take what people say. Well, it's not real, but it is for us because we're completely immersed in it. Does it feel more competitive when, with the likes of Sarah Kibble, who was a serving police officer, when one of your fugitives is from the same sort of area as you? So, like a serving police officer, or was a police officer, or ex-military? Do you feel like there's more of a a competition there or more of a want to find them yeah i mean it's certainly uh, certainly if you see a police officer or ex-military person you get concerned uh, because you know they'll know things yeah. uh, that somebody else might not uh so and you also know that physically they may be you know if they're still relatively young they're going to be physically capable so they've got a bit of a uh, a challenging package to to overcome there um do we want to catch them more as a result i guess we do although um, we want to catch everybody pretty much <laughs> the same amount, to be to be fair, until we start disliking them. And it's always very unfair when we start disliking them because we always discover, and it, we don't learn from this, by the way, um, but we always discover afterwards that everyone's lovely. But trust me, when you are trying to catch somebody and they're doing something that's irritating you or you know, you've been chasing them all day and you've not been able to catch them, you actually do start disliking them. Now, you know that it makes no sense to dislike them. You don't know them. And you know that after the TV show's finished and you're going to meet them, you're going to feel terribly bad about disliking them because they're going to be lovely. But you still dislike them. <laughs> and I guess the prime example there is three words, the bloody Speakmans for you. Because <laughs> you gave them some right, haven't we? Had some... Do you know what we love about what we loved about when you guys came in was the fact that it became a little bit more quotey. Whether that was purposely done or not, we don't know. But like we get Lisa's You're Soft as Shite to Mark, that's what you are. Get off the fence and pick one. We get you with a number of them in um The Last Celebrity Hunted. Obviously, like it's like Hansel and Gretel grew up and became serial killers, that sort of thing. I still feel bad about it. I know, that. I was gonna, that's what I was going to ask. Like, is that something which comes naturally to you in the investigative process in terms of, you know, that gameplay, that, that point that you're in, in, yeah. in your life? Or is that, that something which is just sort of thrown at you and said, oh, slip this in if you can? No, that came completely from my own uh, thoughts. Uh, I've been looking at those shot, you know, mug shots for a long time. And that just came into my head. 
Um, and, and so I said it. And I think it's that kind of dark humour that you get in, you know, a lot of public services that deal with, you know, the darker side of life. You sometimes get that, that sort of sense of humour. And, it, 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 you know, and I, when, I, when that was played, uh, I was sat next to my wife and we were watching it on the TV. Uh, oh, my goodness me, she looked at me daggers. <laughs> she said, why do you say that? We and probably I thought, didn't help you didn't with that. No, you didn't help me with that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, we never, like, well, one thing, we will apologise for it because one thing we sort of did with the podcast, we had no idea where we wanted to take it. We just did it as 10 episodes and see where it was. And then we parked it over Christmas. We did Ray Mondo Claus, which was great. We enjoyed that. That was, <laughs> that was fun. of Christmas was quite fun. Whilst moving house, which was quite stressful. <laughs> um, and then when Celebrity Hunter came on, we said, oh, should we do it? And it sort of took off a little bit. And we decided to do quote of the week at the start. And obviously you were like throwing in loads of them. And then I thought, actually, no, we probably shouldn't share these, some of these quotes. Just leave them as they are. And then we changed it to dipshit of the week. Yeah. But. I mean, you've got to remember, though, that these quotes, so, we're, you know, we're in this... I think it's like 99 point something percent of what's filmed or whatever it is, a high percentage is never shown. So yeah. so if you make a comment and it can sound like you're doing a comment, oh, look, Ray's throwing them in all the time. Um, over the period of filming, that could be very few. You know, you might be putting in one a week, but by the time it's it's aired, it looks like it's, oh, he's putting them in all the time. I think that's a narrative they took like from an editorial point of view with the Speakmans because they were clearly irritating you as an entire team yeah. because of what they were doing. Like, um, there would have been so much that we, we didn't see, but you were literally on the tails all the time, but you just couldn't quite get to them, which is what led to bloody Speakmans. Yeah. Like, you, that's yeah. exactly like if the dog does something to me, like, bloody dog's doing me headed, you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, and it is. And, it's like, and I can remember, I said to you earlier that we were trying to track them on AMPR. This wasn't, this wasn't towards the end because that helped out towards the end as well. But I, the way that it works is that because we just can't be given information um, that, wouldn't, that wouldn't exist, the researchers have to find the AMPR cameras. Now, of course, that's not how it works in the real world. In the real world, if you go through AMPR, you get, no, you get notification. But they've got some mapping, but there is no map of all AMPR cameras. So the researchers go on Google Earth and basically follow the roadway and find the AMPR cameras, and then we put in a request. And if the vehicle that they're in go, went through that AMPR camera, then we get notified. Now, that can obviously take a long time sometimes, and we'd been chasing uh, the speakers all around on these AMPR cameras, and my sense of frustration, because we'd wasted like an entire day uh, doing this and not got them, and that, you know, it comes through, it comes out, and it's, it's nothing to do with them, really. It's just a frustration of the situation. What about when you watch it back? Because obviously, you know, you don't see everything that, they get up to no. they don't say everything that you get up to and what they say when you watch it back and they're in london and they're on heart fm and then at the crystal maze and you see how literally how close jordan and shaz were to them yeah literally like from almost from me to you do you sit there and just think oh my god yeah of course you do yeah you do but you also have some respect there because when they did the heart fm thing and came out with amanda holden uh disguised up that was a good disguise mm. that was a good disguise and i can't remember who spotted it in the end i think it might have been daisy i don't know um but with the fake tattoos you know i would have probably just looked at that picture and it wouldn't have dawned on me but i think somebody i think it was what was the reason that they saw it was it the legs or something there was something quite small in the photo with amanda holden that actually identified that it was them and gave us that clue uh, which is amazing for someone to have seen, but I wouldn't have seen I've got to be honest, I wouldn't have seen it. And I think they, those disguises, and they had a number of disguises during that series, and they did a really good job because they weren't silly disguises. They were, I suppose they were silly, but they were believable. Yeah, that's a thing for us, isn't it? Yeah. Like people talk about disguises all the time, and we get so we frustrated, like Carleen Crow, like we mentioned before, it's just a wig and it's a bad wig. Yeah. Yeah, it's really not A wig great. that draws attention. Yeah. yeah. So we saw the Vivian and Chloe, didn't we, in that episode, and they dress up as old ladies with fantastic makeup. But if you think, if those two people are walking down the road, you know that they're not old ladies immediately. Because of the way they walk. It's, it's not just how they look. You've got to be looking beyond that, the mannerisms and things like that as well. And Exactly. If you know that, I don't know, for example, a, a celebrity or a fugitive has got a limp because of a previous injury... They're not going to be able to disguise that. No. And it's going to be quite obvious. And it's those little things which I guess you have to 
you almost have to look at things in a different way. It's like looking at a picture and rather than looking at what's there in front of you in the foreground, you've got to be looking at the background. Yeah. And looking at that, those little smaller minor yeah, details. Yeah, and so uh, if someone was looking for them and they saw those two people walking along, immediately they'd go, well, that's not right. Yeah. That just isn't right. That's not, there's two people with a load of latex on looking like yeah. pretending to be like old ladies. Whereas where you saw it with the Speakmans, you know, whether he had the long dark wig and the fake tattoos, certainly at a distance, mm. it wouldn't, you wouldn't think about it. Yeah, because they went for things that were, I guess, more believable, just like, you know, I think at one point they had a baby in a carrier. Yes, and, that's right. And a, and a fake fat belly. And they did things that were a bit more believable than dressing but up as old ladies. Blended in, yeah. I yeah. mean, let's be honest, uh, the bloody Speakmans played an awesome game, <laughs> <laughs> didn't they? And they did a lot of people. Uh, I think there, were, there are people on that series who would have been caught sooner if it wasn't for the Speakmans. They, uh, they would have been. And I people give, uh, you know, grief about this slip-up with the, the aeroplane uh, thing. Do you know what? That didn't help us really at all. We'd already narrowed it down. Yeah, okay, it was, it was helpful, but it, all it did was give us a little bit more of what we already suspected uh, and were looking at in great detail anyway. So, uh, you know. The only people that you can blame for that, like, not, obviously not from your point of view because you're delighted that that gave you an extra little bit of... Uh, <laughs> information give you that extra two percent or whatever but the only people that really are to blame for that and this is where i'm going to let you have a rant again is the production that go oh i know what we'll do let's do another capture in the air it's just it just sort of gets rolled out quite a lot here's a helicopter and a helicopter and a helicopter and we'll just throw in a plane and a helicopter i mean we have like ideas about what we'd love to see in future series. what would you love to see i'd love to know a train. A train. Yeah. We've always said a train or something to incorporate the underground. Yeah, I think it's obviously, like, in the real world, you wouldn't get a train to, like, get out of the country. But I think in terms of the gameplay, you have to sort of reach a certain point. Yeah. And there are hidden lines on the underground, common knowledge that there are, there are hidden, yeah. hidden, yeah. hidden rounds. Yeah. Some of them which are still active. And, and unused stations. And unused stations. It's really James Bond, that, isn't it? I know. But <laughs> these, there, are, there are some lines which are active, which, you know, get certain high-profile people from A to B very quickly and, yeah. and what have you. But it's a good way of getting from going undetected. And I think that's, that's the thing, reaching that point. Almost like the heist was where if you reached a point and you exchanged your... You know, your dirty cash your for dirty clean. Your dirty cash for clean. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing. You know, yeah. you'd you disappear off into the, almost getting new identities. That could be the way of doing it. It's about how the story would be written and created. Like you've got to get to this new point to get new identities. You know, if you think about the criminal world, someone has gone on the run and gone hunted. Let's use Daniel Khalif for a prime example, obviously was in the mainstream media, obviously like really glad that he was caught and that, but it took a while. Mm. He would have, been planning to reach out to associates to change his identity to get out of the country yeah. using a false passport. So it's the same sort of thing as what I'm trying to create. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. that thing of, but it doesn't take two minutes. You're not going to like, oh, right, I've sprung out of prison or I've escaped from whoever. I'm not just going to go and knock on my mate's door and get a passport. It's going to take time to print and to process and to get it right and to make those arrangements and get them in place. And maybe that 21, 25-day window is equivalent to what it might be so in terms of this train extraction which we're trying to think of you get on the tube you extract and then someone's there to hand you a brown envelope with your new identity and there you are yeah you're away and it's that sort of story so i think that's why we mm. kind of like to see it maybe another boat as well let's yeah, throw a boat in there as well. and you think that would be a good thing sadly we don't have any say in that whatsoever um from our side of things but i'll have a word with shine see what they can come up with yeah you think, yeah <laughs> you never know i mean we're here for the ideas aren't yeah. we we're here to not improve but just to mix it up a little bit for yeah well because we talked didn't we remember um about bobby because bobby had spoken to somebody in the new series yes he had yeah we talk about that yeah. but, uh, but i think there's rules around that as well so we yeah. can because we couldn't bring bobby in and say what they told you yeah, what did you tell them because it's outside of the the rules so there you go, that's part one done of our conversation with Deputy Ray Howard. We had some good chats in there, didn't we? We have, yeah. Particularly like the conversation about the heist. Yes. 
really interesting and actually you know the more I've thought about it since the more I actually loved that fact that they had the money and that no matter what they brought they didn't have to give it back. No I like that they got to keep what they bought. Yeah especially those that went on holiday and had the, the holiday which yes. they wanted with the kids that was yeah. really really good. We definitely need to do a heist revisited series we don't do. we? Write it down in your calendar for 2024. Okay. By the way well, actually, there. Write it in your calendar. Come on, get your phone out. Write it in your calendar. Write it in your calendar. Yeah. Yeah. While she's there, earmark next week's date. Yeah. Mm hmm. For part two of the thing with Raymondo done. Done. Excellent. So that's in there for 2024. Yeah. Next week, part two of the Raymondo thing. Obviously, we've just finished off. You just heard him talk about Celebrity Hunted. Hopefully, out in 2024. All because of our fingers crossed. All of our crossed. Christmas wishes. Again, we don't know when. Stop asking us. No, we've got no idea. We know people on the inside, but they don't know either. No, no one, no knows, one knows. knows. No one knows yet. As soon as we know, you'll know. Simple mm. as. Uh, but we just heard him talking about Bobby Siegel there and uh, his potential help and a yeah. potential return for him, which sadly couldn't happen. No. When we return, well, we are talking about Redacted! You'll have to wait and see next week, won't you? If you've enjoyed the episode and want to leave your comments and want to get any questions, if you've got any suggestions about who you want to see on the capture calendar or who you want to see interviewed next year in 2024, here's how. Twitter, at Pod, Instagram, at Pod, Facebook, Pod, or email huntedpod at outlook.com and if you email us, please say something, not just hi. Yeah, why don't you write Merry Christmas? Yeah, it's Christmas. be nice. Unless you're stumbling across this podcast in mid-August and you've never heard about us before. Then don't say Merry Christmas because that would be weird. I actually no, do because it would be quite a laugh. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it was, listen, it's December. We're recording this in December. These are our Christmas episodes. That's how it worked, right? Yeah. Yeah. Don't be a dipshit. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Right. That's all we've got time for. Uh, make sure you join us next week on the Hunters Podcast for more from Deputy Ray Howard. Until then, do you want to hear a Christmas joke? Go on then. Why did Santa divorce his wife? I don't know. Why did Santa divorce his wife? Because she was a... You could try to play, but you're never going to be me. Look the other way. What I'm doing ain't easy. Bloody and stain from the people who deceive me Bloody hands break through the chains, go free me People like sheep move feet, hurt it easy You don't wanna be fast asleep when they see me Better stay tall, ready for a fight, believe me When they try the chains, you can say no, free me